With Asia on the cusp of economic recovery following over two years of volatility arising from multiple crises, seemingly contriving to pose unrelenting challenges on economies, businesses, and societies in general, have business and technology leaders sufficiently transformed their organizations to lead and thrive in the new normal? With us on this episode of Podcast for Future CIO is Frost & Sullivan Partner and Managing Director for Asia-Pacific, Shivaji Das, to share with us his perspective on what a master plan for post-digitalization will look like in 2023. Shivaji, welcome to Podcast for Future CIO. Thanks. Thanks, Alan. Thanks for having me here. Pleasure talking to you. Now, if we look at the environment we're in, perhaps even before that, before the pandemic and throughout this period of extended uncertainties that we are still in, how have the roles of executive leaders evolved? There has been significant changes, obviously, before the pandemic and since then during the pandemic as well. I think uh, before the pandemic, we were all looking at a steady state, robust growth in most emerging markets, steady growth in most of the developed world. So it, the pace of digitalization was relatively modest, even though it was high in many sectors. But of course, during the pandemic, a lot of things changed. For the leaders in particular, the first few months or weeks was particularly about operations management and people management. Yeah, and uh, that's when we had to manage our employees, even though there was not enough business, perhaps we had to keep them employed in meaningful way, take care of their financial situation. So a lot of effort, in fact, I would say 50% of my time in the first few weeks of the pandemic's real effect was spent on human resources and managing people. And then it was also about managing operations, Yeah, how to keep the supply chains running, how to keep the deliveries running, how to keep the factories running. So a lot of time went into that and also at the same time managing the health of the employees because that was a big concern and in all that digitalization played a big role yeah companies had to scramble to send uh, laptops to their employees home they had to scramble to get uh, good quality internet connection in many places and also find ways of reaching out to their customers using digital means yeah so digital played a very critical role during that part of the pandemic and we could all see that in the high growth rates that many of the enabling software and services companies like Zoom and all saw during that period. Uh, since then, uh, there has definitely been some slowdown in the absolute numbers per se, but the nature of digitalization has changed. Right now, we are facing an entirely different set of challenges brought about by high inflation, a shortage of talent, uh, talent leaving us also. At the same time, we are also seeing slowing growth while the costs of many of our inputs happen to be very high. So today, digitalization is playing a bigger role perhaps in terms of managing these issues, how to retain talent, how to attract talent, how to manage costs of operations, how to ensure growth in new ways, leveraging new business models, which are digital plus in terms of ensuring the business still grows while the economies around us are slowing down. So in that sense, a lot of time for the leadership is now spent on more strategic thinking in terms of finding those pockets of opportunities in such troubled and uncertain times. And at the same time, ensuring that you are ahead of your competitor using digital and other tools. 
We're coming towards 2023, so it's going to be a new year. Economies are expected to be on the road to recovery, whatever that recovery looks like. And so we anticipate a natural acceleration of growth objectives among organizations in Asia. Do you see digitalization, which has been on the agenda for a lot of these companies for the last few years, do you see it accelerating or decelerating in the years ahead, given that all the investment that's been put in there right from the very beginning, particularly in the last three years? Well, in terms of pure uh, growth numbers, if you look at percentages for growth numbers, it might seem to be slower than uh, what it was in the recent past, particularly because given the high growth rates we saw in the last few years, it has become a much bigger revenue or a dollar number per se. So naturally, you are seeing a lower growth number perhaps. And also what we are seeing is that uh, given the cost pressures, given the economic uncertainties, certain digital investments perhaps will be uh, either delayed or they will happen at a different point of time when there is more certainty. Yeah? But nonetheless, uh, some of the critical digital investments, whether it's in terms of cybersecurity, whether it's in terms of enabling new business models, whether it's in terms of moving to the cloud, which actually helps a lot with uh, saving costs and so on. Uh, all these will continue to grow at pretty healthy rates. I wouldn't say that they will grow at uh, as high a rate as we saw in the first two years of the pandemic, but it will still be very respectable. If we looked at factors that are most likely going to influence uh, how leaders prioritize in the coming years, what would you say are the three most influential factors that leaders will bear in mind as they plan for the years ahead? Frost and Sullivan did a survey of about 500 large and small organizations around the world with a good representation from Singapore, from Asia Pacific, United States and Europe. And we found that the number one factor would be how to ensure revenue and margin protection. Uh, number two would be improving customer experience. And number three will be improving employee productivity. So these three, I would say, will be the main concerns for the management. And that will guide a lot of decision making, whether it's investments, whether it's uh, digital focus, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, how they manage their employees as well. During the C-Engage convention, you spoke about the gap that exists between investments that companies are putting, particularly around, I believe, data management and protection and the perception that leaders, uh, they're not satisfied. I think that was the term that you used in terms of the, in, the returns that they're getting from this investment. Any suggestions on how leadership moving forward can that narrow this gap? So yes, I think uh, we are seeing a lot of dissatisfaction, whether it comes to use of data, data analytics, uh, whether it comes to use of artificial intelligence, uh, there's a lot of dissatisfaction, obviously. Uh, but uh, the ways to manage this would be to set some realistic goals. I think we hear a lot of um, uh, news or research advances which are too futuristic, perhaps, and which are not really aligned with the business situations. But also what happens is that every business is unique. So you cannot take a standard approach and put it in, in that respect to any organization. And all the benefits that that you might see from things like use of AI or use of data analytics would be very much organization dependent. And that's where the third big challenge comes in that uh, we do not have perhaps enough people at this point of time who are skilled enough to get those insights, to get the real benefits for the management to do that. And also we have the top leadership also perhaps not uh, well equipped at this point to really understand where they can have these tangible impacts. So there's a multiple number 
number of challenges which are working together at this point. So I would suggest for the leadership team to, first of all, educate themselves about uh, not just uh, what is possible uh, using these new technologies, but also what is there within their own organization, because it's very context specific in terms of how you can leverage the benefits. In fact, we have seen some of our clients asking us to dig through their entire organization and find all these isolated pockets of data that they have and tell them what could be the best insights that could actually be generated out of them. So I would say um, training at all different levels, uh, whether it's management, whether it's the top leadership, whether it's the people who are actually dealing with day-to-day -day management of these systems and services. So that becomes uh, skill enhancement and training becomes a critical aspect and which can show quite quick uh, bang for the buck when it comes to this. And the second would be to also have quick trials, yeah? So instead of running uh, what we know as, you know, you have these uh, quick trials of concepts, quick trials of possible solutions and services uh, that could be used without uh, really going full flow and investing a lot with the, some of the untested solutions. So I would suggest having a lot of these, um, having a lot of these small pockets of innovation uh, in the organization and then trying out them till we know where exactly we can see the benefit and then accordingly put in the investments. You also mentioned that organizations are not expecting a return to pre-pandemic in terms of the work style, right? Uh, what do you anticipate will be the workplace in the future? And what should leaders do to maximize this uh, operating model that they will have? It's, it's a very difficult topic, uh, definitely in terms of uh, coming back to the ways of uh, working that we had in the past when everyone used to be in the office. Uh, that has gone out of the window for the next few decades, perhaps, if not for the next few years, yeah? uh, especially with the, the uh, younger generation. Uh, what we have always seen is quite an interesting dilemma that all our employees or many of our clients' employees as well, they say, yeah, we would love to come back to the office. Uh, but when we ask them to come to the office, they say, oh, actually, today my dog had to be taken to the <laughs> and then we realized uh, the common desire that everyone has is that everyone else should come to the office, not themselves, perhaps. <laughs> so, yeah, there has been a complaint that, oh, yeah, I went to the office, but uh, my colleagues were not there. Yeah, So I want them to come to the office first, but then, <laughs> then I will come there. But yeah, so in a nutshell, you know, uh, flexibility. Uh, that work from home offers, the uh, lifestyle choices that it offers. At the same time, uh, we have also seen increase in productivity uh, because of remote working in many organizations, including ours, yeah, uh, which had happened during the pandemic. Definitely, it's not going back, but we organizations have to find a way to foster or create a sense of culture and belonging amidst such environments. So I think what will probably work for most organizations is going to be a hybrid concept versus some people uh, work from office, some people work from home at different points of time, but there could be different models for different organizations depending on the size and cultural context. For example, uh, coming to the office may be compulsory on certain days and maybe on other days you have the flexibility. There will be a lot more team building events, perhaps uh, both virtually as well as physically, which will happen. And there could be other new concepts which will be tested out, for example, use of mentors 
attached to younger employees, having more silo breaking groups being created using different teams to come together on unrelated projects, could be even a corporate social responsibility project. So such kind of new ways of fostering a sense of culture and belonging and all these measures which can remove that alienation which we sometimes see, uh, that will also happen in tandem with this hybrid mode of working. You also observed that the post-pandemic hybrid operating model is bringing with it new risks, right? Now, how can leadership better manage these evolving risks? So there are, of course, uh, certain operational risks which are there, for example, uh, related to cybersecurity, related to privacy of customer data, the equipment of the organizations that are sometimes with the employees as well. And also there are possible risks in terms of uh, employees abusing the system in certain cases. And, you know, all those things can happen. And that's where certain technological interventions could help. Uh, I wouldn't say they are the silver bullet, but of course, enhancing the cybersecurity safeguards, training. Often we have seen the weakest link when it comes to cybersecurity is the top management. Yeah? <laughs> we had a client who, who was the one whose uh, CEO opened a phishing email and that led to a big loss of customer data within the whole organization. So yeah, once again, leadership training becomes uh, important. Cybersecurity is very much a human concept. So that's where training plays an important role. But technology intervention as well can help. Uh, having down-the-clock support for employees, uh, even though they are not coming to the mothership every day and then uh, of course there are operational and management ways of uh, managing such a remote workforce uh, some of these which i mentioned just before in terms of having more engagement breaking silos having informal and formal ways of creating a certain sense of culture and belonging within the organization you spoke about distributed trust and how it is shifting the relationship between consumers and uh, and their suppliers, organizations. Can you describe for us what distributed trust is and then can you offer some recommendations on how leadership can tap on this distributed trust idea? Yeah, I think the concept of trust has evolved quite a lot when it comes to either employee selection or whether it comes to uh, customer selection, vendor selection. So we, we had in the past, we would often go by the uh, college from which the person comes from to have a sense of trust on her or him. Also for customers or vendors, we could look at uh, things like credit ratings or various other independent audits and ratings which we could look at. But more and more, we are seeing that this sense of trust is getting uh, more diluted in terms of many individuals, even consumers, individual consumers, individual think tanks, individual thought leaders, having an influence on how we perceive a person or an organization from a trust perspective. Yeah. So for a few years back, perhaps we cared a little about our ratings on Caruso or on Airbnb, but we care a lot about that now. Yeah. So Maybe there will be a day when uh, the employers will choose employees based on their Airbnb ratings and looking through their <laughs> comments to see what kind of person this really is. So that's that's perhaps an extreme example, but uh, more and more we are seeing this uh, sense of uh, relying on uh, mass-generated uh, sense of credibility of organizations, individuals, or teams uh, becoming important in both uh, securing business or even managing uh, certain aspects of operations. What can leadership anticipate in the coming year for 2023 and how can they best position their organizations to be at the head of the market? 
I think uh, we have a different set of challenges now. We have, of course, uh, economies which are slowing down. We have pressures and costs. At the same time, we have to retain talent and uh, attract talent. So given all these uh, challenges that organizations are facing, we have to have a consolidated or harmonized strategy and way of looking at operations involving digitalization, involving technologies, involving management concepts, and also most importantly, work practices, which will enable us to cope with these uh, all these uh, multiple influences and have a future which is tuned towards growth and higher margins for the organization. Shivaji, thank you for joining us on Podcast for Future CIO. Thanks for having me, Alan. That was Shivaji Das, Managing Director for Asia Pacific and partner at Frost & Sullivan on the topic of C-Suite's Master Plan for Post-Digitalization in 2023 and beyond. You are listening in the podcast for Future CIO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podcasts for Future CIO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podcasts for Future CIO. Bye for now.